0: Welcome to the fourth episode of the Next Candidate Podcast. I'm your host, Jemima and today I have a very special guest with me, Lyle Shelton. Lyle has been a councillor on the Toowoomba City Council since the year 2000. He has been the Managing Director of the Australian Christian Lobby from 2013 to 2018, and is currently the National Director of the Family First Party. Welcome, Lyle.
1: Thanks very much, Jermaine. It's great to be with you.
0: Now, just briefly, would you like to go over what you've done in politics and especially the conservative Christian cause in, over your political career?
1: <laughs> well, in one sense, um, I haven't really had a political career. I've been a political activist. I've been someone on the edges of politics trying to uh, influence politics for the sort of values that uh, Christians in particular and conservative Australians care about. Uh, the primacy of the family and public policy, uh, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, uh, the pro-life agenda. Uh, I've been involved in campaigns to um, uphold the dignity of women uh, when it comes to uh, strip clubs and so-called adult entertainment, uh, a whole range of things. so these these are things that um I've been passionate about since I was a teenager and my working life has has taken me in a direction say through local government through, Australian Christian Lobby and now Family First, uh, where I've been able to be uh, involved in fighting uh, many of these culture war battles.
0: Now, it would be safe to assume um, that obviously you're a Christian and you centre family values very close to both your activism and I'd assume your personal life also. So, what would, like, we always speak about cancer culture and wokeism, but we never really determine the people behind. The words. So, like, to you as an individual, what would lo- losing the freedom of religion, or the freedom of speech, or the freedom to have a normal family, what would that mean to you?
1: Yeah, look, it's a really good question. Uh, to lose the ability to speak to our children and teach them our values um, would be a devastating thing for millions of parents in Australia, uh, not just Christian parents. And you know, we saw recently with. Andrew Thorburn, the CEO of Essendon, who lost his job within 24 hours simply because he was the chairman of a church board that believed in marriage between a man and a woman and that human life in the womb deserved human rights. Uh, So he was cancelled because of that. And so it's becoming more and more difficult for those of us who believe that marriage is between one man and one woman for life and that children deserve the love of mother and father wherever possible and that the unborn should be protected. And, and all the good values that flow from uh, from those things, um, those those values are now become anathema in our society and you can lose your job simply for having an association with a church that preaches those things. Now, if you would have told me when I was a kid that this is where Australia would end up when I was an adult, I, I would never have believed it. I always believed this was a free country and a tolerant country and, and one which would not only tolerate those views but... Um, that those views would be supported by the majority of people. And I think probably deep down they are, uh, but a very noisy minority has um, a big megaphone and they are bullying people in the public square, bullying people out of their jobs simply because they hold values which up until five minutes ago in our history uh, were held dear by the vast majority of our population.
0: Yeah, now um, it's interesting to note that you've seen the drastic change since your childhood. Well, I'm only 16 and I could say that if you told me that 90% of what's happened in the past five years would happen, I would call you a liar because even in like the past 10 or so years, so much has changed so fast. Everything the Coalition for Traditional Marriage fought for and everything they said would happen if we didn't, if we did pass same-sex marriage, which we did has come to pass from not being from Christian schools being attacked to reverence being attacked to um, parents not being able to raise their kids as they'd like to it's all come to pass so i think it might be a good idea that we start listening to the conservative side of politics since they've got so much right on the cult- cultural war fronts already um, I think it might be a good idea for the apathetic majority of Australians who seem to not care much about politics or what goes on to start taking note to what we are saying will happen in future. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, you're uh, absolutely right. Okay. Your, um, your observation is, is spot on. And look, I'm a little bit older than you, and I'm interested that as someone who is 16, and uh, you're doing an amazing job uh, oh, for someone you. so young. I really Gives me great hope for the future <laughs> there's young people like yourself thinking like this but your observations are, are spot on um i was involved as you know in the campaign to preserve the definition of marriage back in 2017 and in the years leading up to that and just as you said um, everything that our campaign predicted would happen if you redefined marriage and law has happened it's only happened much quicker than what we thought it would and as soon as same-sex marriage came in uh, the activists straight away went after Christian schools. They tried to bring in legislation into the federal parliament to take away the freedom of Christian schools to employ teachers who share their values about marriage. Uh, Ballarat Christian College um, was uh, what was gone after uh, by same-sex marriage activists uh, who had a big city legal firm, Clayton Utes, uh, went after their board. Um, and we've seen school after school city point christian college Westside christian college uh, many many others come under pressure simply because they want to uphold what the parents believe about marriage and teach that to the children in those schools and this is very much under threat as a result of redefining marriage and um that we warned about this before the 2017 marriage plebiscite but people like tony abbott's sister christine foster who's a lesbian she was one of the key leaders in that in that debate She said over and over again, no, these concerns by the Coalition for Marriage are furfies, they're red herrings, it's not going to happen, Christian schools won't have their rights impinged on. Well, that was a big fat lie um, because the ink wasn't dry on the legislation before they started going after them. And it's been five years of persecution of Christian schools and it's only accelerating. And it's not just Christian schools, it's parents' rights uh, to have their children shielded from radical transgender ideology at school, there's a whole lot of stuff that flies under that rainbow uh, flag, LGBTIQA And that whole um, kaleidoscope of political ideology is now going after our children from a very young age, whether it's through drag queen story time, trying to normalize transgender concepts and sexualized concepts to little children, right through to um encouraging, you know, teenagers to take puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones. So this is where This political movement has taken our nation in a very, very short period of time. And uh, young people are being harmed as a result of it. And uh, it's a very serious situation. And we should have spoken up. More more people should have spoken up. More people should have listened. But silence uh, was what we got. And we're uh, we're, we're reaping the fruit of being silent at critical times in our culture.
0: Yeah, and that's so true, especially on the point of Christian schools. I might also add it was brushed upon by some in the um, Coalition for Traditional Marriage, but uh, I think it's had more of an effect than most people realise that most Christian schools have actually just gone silent on the issues of gay marriage and transgenderism. So, although it hasn't been legislated yet, it's kind the fear of these activists who were really inspired by the yes vote by mind you were supposedly conservative government they're so inspired that now they've struck fear into schools which and even churches which were quite (laughs) firm on their beliefs and now they're unwilling to speak so whether it be via legislative change or or just general fear tactics used by the left um christian schools and churches have been silenced in, a court, in yeah. regards to the debate on not
1: only sexuality but also gender identity yeah, you're absolutely right they have been silenced they have been um, cowered into silence and, and made to be fearful uh, because no one wants to have their reputation as a christian school or as a christian individual or a church or a pastor or um, no one wants to be seen as a bigot or a hater but as soon as you say that you don't agree with you know boys being in the girls toilets at school or you know um, know, children being um, taken on the journey down the path to the gender clinic as soon as you say that they cry bigot they cry homophobe they cry transphobe and and that scares people out of the debate and they've constructed this um, caricature now particularly of christian schools and churches as, as being anti a certain class of people. And that's been a really pernicious thing because I don't know any Christians who who hate people who have a different view of human sexuality or different view of gender. We we don't agree with their idea of human flourishing and the political implications of their ideas which are pushed in the public square. We should be allowed to debate this. But as soon as you debate it, they personalise it and say, no, no, you're a hater. You hate people, you hate you hate trans kids or whatever. You're causing them to commit suicide. They play these highly emotional cards to try and stop people participating in a public debate, so that they can have a free pass uh, and legislate and um, advocate for these things, which really should be debated more widely. Because we know that the transgender agenda is harming children. We know that that's happened in the all, all over the world, but they've recognised it, particularly in the UK, where they've shut down the Tavistock gender clinic, because they recognised that giving puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones to children was um, was harmful. And so a leading paediatrician, Dr Hilary Cass, recommended that the clinic be shut down, and it was. Now, Australian gender clinics are still operating with impunity, and this debate hasn't reached Australia yet, but it needs to, because our kids are being harmed. And speaking out against it doesn't make you a bigot, doesn't mean you hate anyone, it just means you're concerned that there's an ideology which hasn't been properly discussed, uh, which is causing damage.
0: Yeah, now it's very interesting that you mentioned all the names they like to hurl at us. Now, I personally find that bigot is the most common one. Now, I've actually pulled up the Oxford Dictionary's definition of the word bigot, and it's um, an unreasonable attachment to a belief, opinion or faction in particular, prejudice against a person or group of people on the basis of their membership of a particular group. Now, um, just using the case of Andrew Thorburn, you could um, say that Andrew himself has never at least publicly called for the resignation of any gay person, any trans person, or of anyone, in fact, for any membership that had been part of or any group that had been part of. He hadn't chased them, he hadn't held to the belief to the point in which he wanted them to cease to exist in public life. Though, the other side has literally detested him and his beliefs and affiliations to the point in which they can't even stand the notion of him being in public life. So just if we're going to go to the dictionary and just use their definition of the word bigot, there is a bigoted party in that. But I doubt it's Andrew Thorburn or any Christian for that matter.
1: Look, you said that really well, Jemima. Uh, I couldn't agree more. Uh, Andrew Thorburn, the you know CEO of Essendon, who lasted 23 hours, um, in his former role, or one of his former roles, he was the, I, I believe, the chief executive officer, or certainly a senior uh, executive at the National Australia Bank, which was uh, the first to sponsor the Gay Pride Round in the um, AFL. Now. You know, this is now I don't think Andrew Thorburn should have done that or participated in it. I think that, that that's a mistake. That's that's my view. I don't think we need identity politics in sport, but but this is a guy who has a track record of supporting the gay community. And yet because he's in a church that believes that marriage is between one man and one woman and that human sexuality should be expressed in the cons in the construct of heterosexual marriage for life, which has always been the tradition or Christian view, it's the view of Judaism, it's the view of Islam um, it's the view of you know many cultures and religions uh and yet because he's in a church that believes that um, his his previous track record of supporting the gay community uh, doesn't amount to a hill of beans and and he's kicked out and and you're right to reach for the dictionary definition of a bigot because it doesn't apply to Andrew Thorburn. what we saw recently with his sacking as CEO of Essendon was. Was anti-religious bigotry, not anti-gay bigotry, and uh, this is this is where we've come to as a society. These people who preach tolerance are the biggest hypocrites um, when it comes. You know, it's it, it's shown their real agenda, which is to make everyone bow to their particular vision of human flourishing, despite the fact that there are uh, many debatable aspects uh, to their vision of human flourishing, particularly as it affects children.
0: Yeah, it's very fascinating that they claim to be the protectors, the ones who want to allow people to be themselves. It's one of their favorite phrases. Do do what makes you feel good, things like that. But when it comes to like, people of faith especially, they no longer want that. And another point that I'd say is interesting to note is they don't really hide the fact that they absolutely hate Christianity, like, for example, um, uh one of the AFL women players. She's is Islam of Is the Islamic faith and she has chosen to sit out of Pride Month from both social media and the media and like media articles released about her. There was nothing um extremely negative written while the manly seven, as they were dubbed, um literally the exact same action in refusing to participate in the round and they were fully demonized and i actually had gone to the game and i'd watched the reaction and like the report the reporters there the crowd during against them are so vehemently opposed to them because of their views on homosexuality but they refuse to do the same for people of other faiths of which they Seem to proclaim higher than Christians, and I had a pastor on a few weeks ago, and one of the comments he made is through um trying to legislate away Christianity, they're actually harming their own cause to promote interfaith. And if you think about it, yeah. that's true. They want to essentially, although they want to attack Christians through the legislation they want to put through, they're going to also have to target other faith-based organizations that they apparently
1: support mm. yeah this is a you have you put your finger on um, a really important issue here because you've got a muslim player as you said who wants to exercise her freedom of religion and boycott as, as she should. As, as should and yet as you say when the manly seven wanted to do that all hell broke loose and it was a massive media storm there's been no media storm around uh this uh muslim aflw player and and good honor for taking the stand i admire it but um it shows that that, as you said there's a double standard here where only christians seem to be being attacked for their religious views for their views on sexual morality Uh, the muslims are not attacked for it i think we have to ask why why is that why doesn't the woke left go after islam why is it only christianity that they want to attack and um i think this is really concerning If, if you've got you know, a group in society being singled out um, by, um, you know, powerful figures in the media, academia, politics, and and we're singled out because of our religion. Well, you know, history has shown that's not a good thing Um, and uh, we should be learning from history. And, yeah, this double standard needs to be called out.
0: Yeah, like all legalised discrimination and, all the tragic events of world history, none of them happened overnight. It just started by slow hatred sown throughout the community and then the community started hating a group and then the hate of the group eventually led to almost every single tragedy in human history. Mm. It was never just we wake up and one group is persecuted
1: for X, Y, or Z. Exactly. And 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 the thing that concerns me, Jemima, is um, we're we're seeing both sides of politics uh, condemning the Christian worldview when it comes to human rights for the unborn and marriage. Uh, I was, probably the thing that shocked me most about the Andrew Thorburn saga, uh, wasn't Dan Andrews, you know, calling Christians bigots. You expect Dan Andrews, the Victorian Premier, to do that. He's, he's you know, he's a very radical, dangerous uh, lefty. But Peter Dutton, um, the leader of the Liberal Party, said that, this pastor, um, the, the pastor from City on a Hill, whose sermon uh, was, was dug up, and this was simply a sermon that said that human sexuality was to be expressed in marriage between a man and a woman, not through homosexuality. Now, that's, that's, people may not like that. Some people may not like that, but that's the Christian, the, um, Judea, the, 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 the view of Judaism, of Islam um that, that's a view that's been around for thousands of years uncontroversially but peter dutton said that was abominable he said the pastor's view on abortion you know human rights for the unborn was abominable that's what scared me the most seeing the leader of the liberal party throw the pastor of city on a hill uh an anglican church under the bus uh for Traditional Christian or traditional religious views on marriage and human rights for the unborn—that to me was the shocking thing—and it shows how far our society has slipped. When even the conservative side of politics will not defend uh, and, and say that you know Christians have the right to express those views in public.
0: And even on that point, you'd like even within the Liberal Party, you'd expect moderates like Matt Keane or um, Simon Birmingham to spend hate as few hatred like that in regards to Christianity or the conservative cause. But Peter Dutton is supposedly a conservative himself. He's claimed that multiple times. It's, it's always been the basis of his political career, and even in his, um, even apparently on gay marriage, he had claimed to have not made up his mind till after the postal vote. So. It's very interesting to see how like even as a person within politics he's changed so much in only a few years.
1: Yeah, that's right. So I'm just getting a bit more light here. Um no, you're you're exactly right. It's 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 very frightening. Um I don't like the use of the term moderates to describe people like Matt Keane and Simon Birmingham and, and I know not that's not having a go at you, Jamal, but that's That's um, what the media describe them as. But if if you think about this, a moderate is not someone who thinks that uh, a child, you know, should go off to a gender clinic, you know, to have her breasts removed or, you know, surgery on her genitals or be given, you know, life altering puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones, which is what, you know, which is the the, the ideology that the so-called moderates have signed up to in the Liberal Party. So these people are not moderates, they are radicals. And um, unfortunately, they are the ones who holds sway in the Liberal Party on social policy, and I'm sure that was in large part why Peter Dutton felt that uh, whilst he was trying to defend Andrew Thorburns, uh, you know, from being sacked, and, and good on him for that, but in doing so, he felt that he had to throw the Christian worldview on marriage and family and human life under the bus in no uncertain t- terms, saying it was abominable. Now, that that is chilling, you know. The Liberal Party is supposed to stand for the family. That, Robert Menzies, who founded the Liberal Party, would be rolling in his grave to have heard Peter Dutton say what he said last week about Andrew Thorburn.
0: And that's the issue with the Liberal Party, is they have this persona of being conservative and standing up for family and human rights, at least with Labor and the Greens. You know what you're getting when you vote for them. You know that they oppose it. You know that um, life is not going to be easy for Christians or conservatives when they when they are elected. But with the Liberal Party they fooled a lot of people, especially with um, election promises of religious freedoms, which they didn't uphold. You know, That's because right. Wow. I don't like calling them progressive because they really don't want us to – progress is supposed to be positively going forward. They seem yeah. to want us to be dragged back into the Middle Ages. So I like to call them the regressive left, that which are pulling the party from both media and from other political parties, which they apparently –
1: have now formed a de facto coalition with. Yeah, uh, Jamal, uh, the longer this podcast goes, the more I'm uh, in awe of your <laughs> uh, brilliant understanding of, of this cultural moment and, and what's happening in our politics, because you're exactly right. These people are not progressive. They're not moderates, as we said earlier. Um, yet the left have hijacked the language and, you know, essentially, they are calling black, white and white, black uh, using language like moderates and progressives. And uh, what I've observed, and I think you're observing it, too, is that there's a political clique that runs Australia and it's comprised of the left of the Liberal Party, which is the so-called moderates and progressives, uh, which, which really are radical uh, are radicals. They all believe the same thing on social policy, whether, whether it's the left of the Liberal Party, whether it's the Labor Party, whether it's the Greens or the Teals. There's a quad, a political quad that runs Australia now and um, you know, conservative thinking is very much pushed to the margin. There are a few voices in the Liberal Party like Senator Matt Canavan, Senator Alec Antic, former Senator Amanda Stoker and others, um, just to name a few. Uh, they uh, try to fight for what were the traditional Liberal values. They have become marginalised voices in the wilderness, uh, whereas the quad of the of the so-called progressives in the Liberal Party, Labor, Greens and Teals, their views on... on um, you know, rainbow ideology, their views on destroying our um, energy economy, uh, they're the views that hold sway in the body politic in this nation at the moment. And it's, it, it's right across all of those four groupings in our politics. And sadly, um, it, it's holding sway in, in the Liberal Party. So there really is no opposition to the harmful, dangerous, socially dangerous and economically dangerous agenda that's being pushed uh, by our political class at this time.
0: Now, to combat the um, push to the left, which the Liberals have unfortunately fought for, multiple minor conservative parties, with, uh, many of which have religious ties to the Judeo-Christian ethic at, by minimum, and many of which have the majority of their members being Christians themselves and obviously, um, assumedly, holding to the beliefs of the Bible, Um, have formed, especially in Victoria, I looked at the Victorian Electoral Commission and I think there's almost a dozen which would make the cut for centre right minor party um, this coming Victorian election. Um, You're you're with Family First which is one of those parties running.
1: Um,
0: So what do you think minor parties need to do to ensure they don't cancel each other out with
1: yeah, that's another brilliant question, Jemima. Um, I don't think there's quite uh, a dozen. There's um, We were going through these today uh, with our team. There's there's the DLP, which is probably very similar in values to Family First. So they're a small micro party like us. Um, I wouldn't put the Animal Justice Party in our category. Um, there's a party called the Freedom Party that does have some similarities. I know Aidan McClendon, who's one of the leaders there. Um, there's the Liberal Democratic Party. Now, they're libertarians. So, whilst we agree on many issues, on issues of freedom, they would um, probably go too far on you know, the issue of drugs, United abortion, euthanasia. That's right, you're well informed. So, so, they're a little bit out there. Whilst um, we'd agree with them on some small government things and economic issues, um, some of their social policies are a bit extreme. Um, there's a whole bunch of others. There's the UAP, United Australia Party, which would have some similarities. Um, and there's One Nation. Uh, One Nation is a little bit inconsistent on pro-life issues. Uh, Pauline Hanson has supported euthanasia in the past. So, so I guess yes, you're right. There is a bit of a fragmentation there. And, and of course, I'm going to say, as Family First representative, that you know we're the best. You know we're the purest in terms of um, what's on offer for you know conservatives and, and people of faith. Uh, but to your question, we are talking to. Um, all of the parties that share similar values, and we are working very hard to make sure that the preference arrangements we come to uh, don't harm each other, that uh, our preferences go to like-minded parties so that at least one of us, you know, gets up in the particular areas where we're running. So that's the intent. And if if people follow our how to vote cards, then uh, that intent should be realised.
0: Yeah, because um, after the federal election, I, I looked at the statistics for a while and I calculated all the parties which could be deemed conservative with right or centre. Um, their total vote as a percentage was around 15%, and the Greens' total vote was around 15% too. The Greens got 16 members in total across both houses, and the combined group of the conservative minor parties got three. And it's quite a shocking statistic to look at. How theoretically, there's the same number of people who support the Conservative cause as the people who support the leftist cause, though it's just not seen in Parliament.
1: Yeah, look, um, that is a shocking statistic. And I think it goes to the fact that as Conservatives, we are very independently minded, we are fractured, we're not as united as the left. And the left are very good at papering over their divisions. Um, you know, you don't have to scratch too deep to realise that. There's a lot of hatreds and animosities in in the left of politics, but they, they do a much better job of papering it over. Uh they've also been at this a lot longer than us. Um as conservatives, we are late, you know, as usual, we're late to the party because conservative people, people of faith, we're just out there living our lives, trying to raise our families. And suddenly we've realized that politics has been overrun by people who are trying to destroy our very civilization, trying to destroy what it means. To you know, to, to be a family, what it even means to be a human creature, male or female, uh, everything is under attack. Our our energy system is under attack uh, by trying to put in place um, technologies that don't work um, and, and there's nowhere in the world where they work and yet we're, we're doing things to harm ourselves when there's no viable alternatives. There's a whole range of crazy things going on driven by the left and politics and we've suddenly woken up and so a bunch of parties have sort of formed to try and combat it I think um, in time uh, we will coalesce. Uh, I think you know events like um, the Conservative Political Action um, Conference, which you and I were both at uh, recently yeah. in Sydney. Uh, that's been terrific to bring people together, both the Conservatives and the Liberal Party, those of us in minor parties, in think tanks, uh, advocacy groups. Um, so we're talking to each other. I think we're realising you know where the areas of unity lie, and I think movements like that will give us great hope for us to coalesce better and to make sure we don't fragment that vote and at least you know it's a free country so people are going to be free to start up political parties but we've got to make sure that we do uh you know ensure the preferences work in a way that we don't um undermine our cause um because you're right we've got the same political clout numerically as the greens but we don't have the same parliamentary representation now there's
0: when it comes to the Greens, I can hardly say this. Other than their views on gambling, there is literally nothing I agree yeah. with them on. Um, but I do have to admit, their campaigns and their, the way they're able to cover up their many, many, many faults and idiosities is absolutely impeccable. And if we could like take that as a conservative movement, which I believe CPAC had aimed to achieve or you will be achieving over the next few years, which I assume will only become worse for um, conservative values. If we could just take that kind of notion and energy that they have for their political cause, which is quite bad, both theoretically and in practice, I reckon we could be a whole lot more successful than them because just speaking to your average Australian, they agree with our movement. They just They're more
1: apathetic than ignorant they know it's happening but they don't care in my experience yeah yeah. you're absolutely right Um, i think if the average australian could get uh better media access to better media coverage that was unfiltered and that wasn't distorting uh, and putting out you know fake news (laughs) to be quite frank uh, about conservative issues uh, i think Australia would be a different place, but I think we're, we're poorly served by the media and our population is fairly apathetic. Australians just want to get on with having a good life and, and there's nothing wrong with that. But in a democracy, if we don't tend to the garden, you know, the weeds will grow and, and that's what's happened. And, um, you know, if we want freedom, we've all got to participate uh, at least at a minimal level of, of being aware of what's going on and making sure we vote the right way. And um, I think we've been a bit negligent. Uh, particularly on the conservative side, and we've allowed the weeds to grow and um, things are a bit of a mess at the moment. Um, So, yeah, I'm hopeful that these new movements and parties like ours will be part of that awakening.
0: On the topic of the upcoming Victorian election, which is only just over a month and a couple of weeks away, I thought I'd mention a bit of Daniel Andrews' track record. Obviously, we don't have the next 20 years to go through it all, but... The highlights would probably be his change of suppression conversion practice prohibition bill 2020 um, as well as his obviously long, extremely restrictive lockdowns and vaccination mandates which he imposed on the Victorian people. Now, um, the change of suppression bill literally stated that prayer had been Prohibited. They called it prayer-based therapy. Um, I, I don't think there should be a wrong way to pray. If, yeah. Yeah. Whether you're Christian or Islamic or Jewish, I think every even like Hindus and Buddhists, they all pray. Whether they we agree with their form of prayer or who they're praying to is irrelevant to the subject of religious freedoms. Whether you're right or wrong in your prayer, you should still be allowed to pray freely in a democratic country, and the fact that he had the audacity to quite literally ban prayer and literally put the words in writing is yeah. quite shocking on his own character.
1: It's, it's absolutely shocking um, to right. mm-hmm. because not only is prayer banned, if if someone who's struggling with their sexuality or their gender identity comes and asks for prayer, that's illegal, Even if the, even if the person themselves instigates a request for prayer to pray for that person at their request is against the law uh, to to help them in any way if, if they say I'm struggling with my gender identity can, can you help me I don't really want to go to the gender clinic what else can I do and, and if you suggest something other than going to the gender clinic where they you know where a child could be given puberty blockers cross-sex hormones or have irreversible surgery you can go to jail um, 10-year jail sentences and this is shocking and and it's it's in your face on the on the Victorian Human Rights and Equal Opportunities website. It it actually says if if even if you are, even if someone asks for help and you help them, uh, you are breaking the law. Um, a parent who tries to talk their child out of going to the gender clinic can be criminalized as a result of these laws. It's the most shocking thing I've ever seen in my life, probably after the issue of abortion. Uh, this is the most shocking and brazen laws on our books. And, um, and, it, and and there's many other things we could say about Daniel Andrews as well. This is just the tip of the iceberg. But, um, the rap
0: sheet never ends.
1: It, it never ends. It never ends. But it should. people should be shocked about this. I, I mean, I, I should mention too also on the Victorian Education Department website, it says, it tells teachers that if a child wants to transition their gender at school, Uh, and don't want their parents to know, the teacher should hide that from the parents. Now, teachers should hide nothing from a parent, let alone something as serious as a child wanting to change their gender. But this, again, this is there in black and white on the Victorian Education Department website. In Victoria, Daniel Andrews uh, will transition your child without your knowledge. Um, He thinks he owns your kids. Uh, Yeah, this is something out of Soviet Russia. Uh, it's unbelievable.
0: Now, um, when I, I don't know about um, other people, but when I was younger, my parents always told me, if anyone tells you to keep a secret from me, there's a very, very yeah. high chance they're a very, <laughs> very bad person and you obviously shouldn't do it. I don't think enough kids are taught that. I think that's a very good principle across the board. But the fact that the government is now encouraging keeping secrets from your parents. That is just so creepy and so wrong. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how any level headed parent would be okay with that. And I think uh, I don't know how to say this without sounding um, unnecessarily cruel to parents who may support someone like Daniel Andrews. But if you support somebody who is literally telling your children to keep secrets from you and to be so secretive behind your back how can you ensure that you're fulfilling your role as a parent to ensure that your children aren't in harm's way because from just deciding that you want to be a boy or girl or what or changing your gender and the new thing is becoming a furry which if you haven't heard of it it's people especially teenagers I find who have decided they identify as a cattle dog, they, if it starts with that and a teacher is all right with telling a student to keep that as a secret, what will it escalate to and what kind of can of worms has the government opened?
1: It's opened a big can of worms, Jemima, and look, the epidemic of children we're seeing presenting at gender clinics um, is testament to that. Um, as you say, you know, we've had children in Australia going public saying they identify as, as a cat. Uh, I mean, this is just beyond uh, comprehension. Um, it showed, The fact that this is taken seriously, both the idea of gender fluidity and now species fluidity, I mean, where does this all end? And the fact that this is taken seriously by media and academics, by politicians, uh, by woke corporations like the Isidon Football Club, it just shows that as a society, we've collectively lost our mind. And those of us who, who haven't and, and who I believe are in the majority, the silent majority, if we don't start speaking, um, we're going to be further overrun by this madness. And uh, it's time for a, a revolt, uh, for resistance. And, and, you know, I'm talking about using all the legal means, use the tools of democracy. We should never use violence. Uh, we should be civil. But we should be firm and we should be strong in calling this out. And if we don't do this soon, um, it's going to be too late.
0: Yeah, now, um, as you've said, there are plenty of legal ways and it's we really don't need violence to prove our point. Like, for example, I'd say two or three weeks ago, we had our March for Life in Sydney and not many people rocked up. And I know, I personally know quite a number of people who would oppose the, un, the um, intentional killing of a child. Now, using that to describe abortion cannot be disputed by anyone who relies on empirical evidence. That a child, yeah. An unborn child has all the signs of life and ending their life is killing. So whether you believe that's moral or not, um, I suppose you can start an argument about it. The left likes to start those kind of arguments. And I actually have more respect. For a person who goes, yes, it is killing, but I believe it's morally justifiable. I still can't comprehend their arguments, but I guess we live in a free democracy and they owe owed free speech, then a person who says that abortion doesn't kill a child, because that's a blatant lie, and I think that's part of our problem. The problem is that truth have become lies and lies have become well, truth, yeah. which has turned us into a very apathetic society, which has allowed us to Promote ignorance amongst ourselves, especially politically, which has resulted in a lot of issues. Yeah, yeah.
1: exactly. Um, look, if someone like yourself, who's 16 years of age, um, which is still pretty young, if you can work all this out, why can't adults work it out? Um, the the evidence is empirical, as you say. It's not difficult. Uh, it just takes some critical thinking, uh, and yet uh, smarter people than than you or I are silent. Uh, well, I'll speak for smarter people than me are silent. Um, and what disturbs me, Jemima, is that many Christian leaders are silent from these issues and they're afraid to talk about them in their pulpits. They're afraid to challenge the authorities. Um, we see people saying, no, let's just preach the gospel. Let's not talk about politics or social issues as if somehow the gospel doesn't apply to certain areas of life. I mean, who told us? that the gospel is just meant to be put in a little corner um, and, and, and practice there, but, but it should just ignore what's going on in the society. I mean, Christian people historically have always been at the forefront of fighting injustice, whether it was slavery through William Wilberforce, who was told to put his keep his religion to himself. Uh, thankfully, he didn't listen to those people who said just, you know, preach your religion in church, you know, don't come into parliament with it. Well, he said slaves free all over the world. Um, you know, Dietrich Bonhoeffer spoke against the Nazi regime, tried to warn the German church in the 1930s. We can't go along with this Hitler guy. They, he wasn't listened to. Uh, and today we are repeating similar mistakes. We are hearing church leaders say, no, let's just preach the gospel. Let's not get it, let, Let's not speak out against the transgender thing, even though, you know, young girls are having their breasts cut off and doing irreversible damage to their bodies and children are being indoctrinated uh children are being killed in the womb women are being harmed and coerced into abortion uh the church sits by silently while these things happen um how how can we do this um it's the evidence is all in front of us and yet we close our ears and just try and sing louder in church and ignore what's going on um in the society around us and uh you know uh, I don't like to use this phrase because it's almost become hackneyed but we've got to use use it the the quote of you know Dietrich Bonhoeffer um, you know silence in the face of evil is evil itself not to act is to act God will not hold us guiltless are we not at such a moment in our society today and uh, every pulpit that is afraid to mention these things um, is complicit with them, unfortunately, and uh, this has to change. Every politician that is silent in the public square about is complicit uh, with these things. Uh, all of us who are silent are complicit with these things, and uh, that must change because this is heading in a terrible, terrible direction.
0: A hundred percent, and as you mentioned, Bonhoeffer actually thought of that quote instantly, so... Um, I, I believe that a lot of people like to emphasize in the love of the Bible, but isn't love warning somebody that they're going to get hurt. I I know quite a few girls and a couple of boys around my age who would have what would be described as gender dysphoria. Now, all those kids, I can tell you, have been through quite a bit and like, I mean, I have full empathy for them. But to tell them that go and do irreversible surgeries, take hormones that are, going to risk your mortality rate for multiple diseases, and this has all been proven yeah, Every right, Australian uh, citizen has the right to access their local council's library services. No one has an excuse to say that they're unable to access um, information. We can't use the excuse of not knowing or not being able to know. And these kids literally are being used as political pawns to make the left seem caring when they really knowingly hurt them. Uh, I don't yeah, like accusing yeah. people of doing um, bad things, but there is no way on earth 90% of the politicians and activists who support um, mutilating children know with all their hearts and minds that it's for their own good. Same goes for teaching kids that we're all going to die in 10 years, and they've been saying that for 50 years, though. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that disproves it in itself. And you got, like, I personally know kids who have formed anxiety and depression because of believing in climate change. And to these politicians, it might be a few cheap votes here and there, but you've just ruined someone's life. Yeah. And they're definitely yeah. not the loving, caring life that they claim to be.
1: No, that's, that's exactly right. Um, they are causing. Um, A lot of anxiety amongst young people. They're causing them to lose hope in their future. Uh, We should be instilling hope in young people for the future. We've got a bright future. Um, We're blessed with a planet uh, that isn't dying um, at all. Uh, There's abundant resources here to provide energy and food, uh, comfort uh, for uh, billions and billions of people and to continue to raise out of poverty Uh, people in developing nations, and yet all this is being circumvented by the climate cult, uh, by this climate catastrophism. Um, There is no climate emergency. Uh, There's certainly, if there is an issue with um, human-induced carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, uh, there is time to adapt. There are technologies that uh, we can use to adapt, but there's no need to be shutting down economies, uh, closing down uh, proven sources of baseload electricity, uh, sacrificing all that uh, for unproven technologies. We do not need to be doing this in order to save the planet. And uh, there's plenty of smart people who uh, are a testament to that, Bjorn Lomberg, Michael Schellenberger, uh, many others. Your, your audience might want to Google some of these people and look at their articles. Jeff yes, and Here's fantastic. Yeah, you're probably better researching this than, than I am, but um, I'm just convinced that, that there is no climate emergency. Um, we should always be looking to um, steward the planet in a way that is sustainable, uh, but we have, we have an abundance of resources for an abundance of people. People are not uh, a plague on this planet. Uh, people are special. Um, human life is sacred. And we should be looking to ensure that uh, everyone is able to live a fulfilling uh, and meaningful life um, with the comforts that we've seen uh, uh, available to those of us in the West now for the last several decades. Um, every person on the planet should uh, have the benefit of those comforts and the standard of living that has been developed, uh, you know, over the last you know hundred years or so. It's been a blessing to millions and billions, and it can be a blessing to billions more, Uh, we do not have to be um, thinking that people are the problem and that, you know, we need to somehow, you know, cull the population or give people substandard living standards um, in order to save the planet in some sort of misplaced righteous cause.
0: Yeah, and it's even now being used as an excuse to allow abortions, which I just think is sickening. So. To supposedly save human lives from a catastrophe that actually doesn't exist. You have to yeah. take human life. Like it it I think it sums up the left in and their logic. It just doesn't ever work. Another point that's interesting to note from i will say year three science is that the biggest emitters of carbon dioxide are human and animals when we exhale. And the biggest producers of um the biggest absorbers of oxygen are plants and um fungi and things like that and it's very interesting to note that to put up the wind and solar panels they're chopping down a whole lot of native forests which is so it's it's just so counterproductive and they just want to cripple our, our economy now the rich inner city teals and greens and that whole climate group who've invested quite heavily and you can look up the member privileges statements uh, the disclosure statements on the Parliament of australia website um to actually look into the kind of stocks they own and quite a few of them do own stocks in the renewable industry so either way they're going to benefit off this and the people who are going sure. to suffer are the people in the third world and even people who are on the lower scale of the socio-economic status in Australia, which is quite unfortunate because these are people who should be allowed to live the Australian dream. I think every Australian child should be able to want to grow up, own a house, own a car. In Sydney, the average house price is now $1.3 that's close, similar in Melbourne. So it's crossed that dream off a lot of young people's wish list.
1: Look, um, this economic crisis where it is completely politician induced it's completely unnecessary uh, the, the cost of living is is going up electricity is about to go up by another 35 percent next year they're saying uh, already that's on top of the increases we've already had inflation's going through the roof ranch is going through the roof housing is unaffordable and it's completely unnecessary we live in a in a country of australia with abundant natural resources abundant sources of Clean energy. If, if you want to go down that path, natural gas, uranium. Uh, we 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 should have. We could give. We could have free energy for all Australians if we really wanted to. It's that abundant, uh, and we've got the biggest land mass of, of any developed nation on the planet. We've got a whole continent, and yet we've got a land shortage, which is driving up house prices. Uh, only governments could engineer something like this, um, and uh, it's it's all because our policy settings are wrong. They're driven by an ideology which has become a religious cult and we're hurting ourselves as we make sacrifices to this new God. Um, and uh, it's a real shame because um, it's it's crueling the future of millions of young people. And uh, as I say, it's completely unnecessary.
0: They want to delete the religion of Christianity, which has built Australia and replace it with, I, I call it the woke cult, because it covers a lot of things from gender identity theory to the right to freedom of thought speech, expression of opinion, assembly and movement. They want to use this cult to exterminate everything the Judeo-Christian ethic has placed. Now, whether you believe in religion or not, is irrelevant to the um, notion that Australia's constitution, our legal system, our parliaments, it was all founded on the Christian faith. So if you're deleting Christianity, what you're really doing is deleting democracy, As Christianity is the only faith
1: which believes in free will. Yeah, no, that's right. Um, It's an anti-freedom agenda. Um, As you say, Christianity is the religion that's provided the most freedom for the most people. And that's just, uh, by any objective look at history, yet you wouldn't know that today because um, this has been so distorted by the radical left uh, who have demonised our Western Christian inheritance. But it's Christianity that you know gave us the Magna Carta, which you know said that even kings must be subject to the law. Gave us Parliament. Gave us checks and balances on power. um, Gave us you know a modern market economy. um, Gave us a social welfare system, uh, schools, hospitals. uh, All of these things were driven by people of Christian faith. Um, Any any uh, casual examination of history shows that. And yet uh, you'd think that. You know, Christianity was um, some nefarious uh, force in the world that must be eliminated. But the, the left in caricaturing Christianity like this, all they're doing is um, is abolishing our freedoms uh, because they just want to control people and take away liberties and, and have, a, have state control, have some sort of globalist utopia. And, of course, um, these sort of utopian dreams always end, uh, I was going to say in tears, they end in genocide in rivers of blood as we saw with uh, the Soviet Union, as we saw with uh, Mao's China, as we're seeing with the way uh, the present Chinese Communist Party is treating the Uyghurs, their jackbooted approach in Hong Kong, their their desire to take over Taiwan uh, and the the World Economic Forum, you know, with its desire to to control everything um, and cancel those with whom it disagrees, that they think they should use sort of pandemic measures to. Combat climate change now, you know. So limit people's freedoms. You know, turn off your air conditioner and your heater um, through some centrally controlled <laughs> government portal. I mean, I'm being a little bit hyperbolic here, but this is this is essentially their thinking, and it's um it's totalitarianism, and totalitarianism always ends badly. Um, the the natural human condition is that of of liberty, uh, but but not libertarianism. Liberty um, where people uh, through virtue and character are able to govern themselves um, with a light touch from government you need government authority and structure but it's there as a framework um, and it doesn't work unless people are able to govern themselves that comes from people who have virtue Uh, virtue comes from religion Uh, and i I think the best virtues come from the christian religion Uh, there's other virtues in other religions and there's some positive things there but i think the best ones uh, history shows come from uh, Christianity, that therefore creates a society where there's character and where there's character, where there's integrity and honesty in the dealings between human uh, beings, um, that creates a flourishing and civil society. And, and, of course, that's what we've had up until recently, that it's breaking down at a great rate of knots. And uh, they say that the price of liberty is eternal vigilance. Uh, we need to be vigilant about tending to the garden and just, um, you know, Uh, re-establishing the things which make for liberty, and and it's these timeless principles.
0: Yeah. Now, um, on the topic of um, all virtues coming from the Bible, it's quite fascinating to note that from Gandhi to Mark Latham to Andrew Bolt, none of them believe in the Bible, but all of them believe in the Judeo-Christian ethic, and in my opinion, that's what gave them all their good views now in a free country obviously you're not expected to believe in the bible but i think it should be um expected that our politicians and even you, australians at least accept the judeo-christian ethics on which our nation is built
1: yeah i think so if we can't agree on um unifying principles that are the basis of our nation then our nation's in a lot of trouble and look when australia was federated in 1901 uh, the early census uh, in that first decade of our federation showed that you know somewhere in the high 90s um you know 96 97 percent of people uh ticked that they were christian on the on the census forms now that was still in the high 80s right up until the 1960s and it's fallen off a cliff since then we're now below 50 percent, but there was a unifying um, ideology if you use it, ideology isn't necessarily a dirty word That <laughs> uh, there was a set of ideas based around the bible based around christianity uh, which australians identified with and, and that's what as i said gave us our legal system it gave us um, common values um, if those values are now contested or or being thrown out or being sought to be cancelled um, then what's replacing it um you know we're seeing all these crazy philosophies and ideologies that you and I have been talking about uh, for the past uh, hour or so on this podcast, um, coming in and bringing mass confusion uh, division. It's dividing Australians. Um, it's creating this uh, oppressed, uh, oppressor sort of classes. Um, it really is quite ugly. And I think we need uh, a greater level of civic discourse on what are the unifying values of this nation. And, and let's, you know, just to have a bit of a reassessment look at where we've come from look at where we want to be going look at the sort of values that are going to take us to the desired place and i think we abandon you know christian um, principles Uh, we abandon the bible at our peril but at the moment the bible is being painted in this crazy simplistic caricature as some sort of homophobic book therefore it should be thrown in the bin um i mean that that really is um, such a travesty because this book has been the foundation of of um, great nations, um, and it shouldn't be discarded uh, lightly. And and but this is where the dumbing down of our education system has taken us. Um, and uh, as I said, it it's put us in a very dangerous place. We we you know we don't know what we're doing, and uh, we're causing enormous damage in this reckless pursuit of you know some sort of you know, utopia that no one can really define properly.
0: A hundred percent. And we really do need an overhaul of the education system, along with um, quite a few systems of government which push all this. Well, there's no other phrase to use, but nonsense to describe what they're pushing for. Now, um, in wrapping up, if someone in the audience from Victoria would like to um, vote for Family First
1: or look into their policies more um, before the upcoming election, where can they find you and the party? Yeah, thanks, Joanna. Um, They can find us at familyfirst.org.au. Go to the website there. You can see some information about what we're doing in the Victorian campaign. There's a place where people can sign up and volunteer. You can uh, join up and receive email updates from the party. Uh, It doesn't matter where in Australia you live, um, you're welcome to to be a supporter or a member um, or a donor. Uh, And at the moment, we're encouraging all of our supporters right around the nation to get behind the campaign in Victoria because Victoria is uh, a laboratory for radical woke left, radical anti-family legislation and public policy. And uh, it's in all of our interests as Australians to help the campaign down there We'll be announcing some candidates very shortly. We've got some high-quality people running for upper house seats in Victoria, and if we can get them into the upper house and hopefully get a, a good crossbench of like-minded people, they can um, start to, you know, block uh, Dan Andrew's bad legislation or, or you know, uh, or you know, even perhaps start to try and turn things back again. But we, we desperately need people of character, people of um of family values, of Christian values, Judeo-Christian values uh, in that parliament, and uh, that's exactly what Family First is trying to do. um, We're asking people to consider who who will fight uh, to keep your family safe from the radical anti-family agendas that are being pushed, sadly, by all sides of politics in Victoria.
0: That's fantastic, and thank you so much for standing up for Victorians. I like calling it the Lost Call State, and I think we should just chop out Melbourne and let it float down past Tassie or something, but um, I'm glad to see that there are still some people who hold hope for them and who would like to give them a future. Now, to anyone in Victoria who thinks we might be overreacting about the change of suppression bill, I will be including it in the description. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's most definitely real. It did pass last year. Mm -hmm. Daniel Andrews most definitely did celebrate it. Um, He is a horrible person. I'd really caution you not to consider supporting him and the Liberal Party in Victoria especially quite weak. So at least looking into um, some of your Conservative minor party options may be a good idea. Um, now, thank you so
1: much for joining me, Lyle, and thank you for all the work you do. Thanks for coming on. Jemima, it's been an absolute privilege and a pleasure, and um, I commend you on the thoughtfulness of your questions and the, and the very detailed research you've done in preparing for this podcast. Um, good on you, and uh, I, hope it, I hope what you're doing uh, receives a wide audience, not just uh, this podcast, but obviously the excellent work you're doing. So good on you, and God bless you. Thank
0: you so much. Now please like, share, subscribe. I don't think we did anything too controversial today, so um you probably won't get banned for from social media for sharing this on. So um yeah, see you in the next episode. Bye.